0: I was just thinking about uh, how blessed we are to have these musicians. I, does anybody understand how difficult it is to sit there and play a guitar and pick it out like that? And uh, wow, uh, you know, a lot of times we think about those that are singing and what a blessing they are. But uh, we're so thankful for all of our all of our music folks. Open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter number 5. We've all heard the old saying, The mind can absorb only what the seed of the britches can endure. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that, and I make mention of it because if ever there was a message that's difficult to cut short, it's the message this morning. And so all I can do is promise you I will try to be as brief as I possibly can and uh, and hopefully cover this in a way that is Christ-honoring. We've been preaching through the book of Ephesians now for some time, and that brings us down to verse number 22. You know, that's the wonderful thing about expository preaching when you move from one verse to to the next, nobody can accuse the preacher of getting a sermon together just because of them. Uh, you know, that's just what's coming up. And so I suppose God knew that you were going to be here today and uh, that He knew what the message was going to be today. So please don't accuse me of uh, preaching this <laughs> just because you're here. Verse number 22 of chapter 5, Wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Several years ago, I preached a series of messages on, on, the, uh, on the family. One of the messages was entitled, Who is in Charge? And let me tell you right now, the one who claims to be in charge isn't always in charge. Things are not always as they appear. To lay a foundation for the message this morning, I want to read the verse I used in the message for that day. And if you'll turn back a few pages in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. If Christ is not in charge of your home, the wrong person is. And I want you to notice this verse because it's very helpful to us in understanding what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians. And there are three things here in this letter to the Corinthians that I want you to notice, and I want you to look at these three things in the reverse order. Notice what he says at the very end of the verse. The head of Christ is God. Now, that's a very important statement because it tells us there is authority in the Godhead. Have you ever thought about that? Is that possible? Authority in the Godhead? Authority concerning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? In our articles of faith, it reads like this. It speaks about the fact that we believe the three persons of the Godhead subsist in the same divine nature, essence, and being, and that they are coexistent. And co-equal in every divine attribute, each one executing distinct but harmonious offices in the great work of redemption. Now I want you to notice that word co-equal. We believe they're co-equal, but here in this verse it tells us the head of Christ is God. So the question is then, how can the father and son be co-equal? And again, I say, understanding this will help us to understand the relationship between the husband and the wife. When he says here that the head of Christ is God, he's not saying that Christ is distinct from or less than God. He's simply telling us that Jesus Christ lived in perfect harmony with the Father's will. That is, He never at one time ever acted in any way contrary to the Father's will. And that's why He could say, as He did, "...He that hath seen Me hath seen the Father." Jesus also said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So He has all authority, but listen to what He says. My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. I do always those things that please Him. So when the Bible is speaking then about God being the head of Christ, remember this. It's speaking about function, not essence. Function, not essence. He's not saying that the Father is better than the Son. He's talking about the fact that they have a different office, a different function, a different work to do. So Christ submitting Himself to the Father does not diminish from His greatness, but rather demonstrates His greatness. How do we measure the greatness of anyone, even the Son of God? We measure their greatness by their relationship with the Father. So when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that rather than Him being belittled in any way, or His value lessened in any way, Jesus demonstrated His goodness and His greatness by the fact that He lived His life in harmony with the Father. They played different roles. They functioned in different ways regarding our salvation. Each part of the Godhead did. The Holy Spirit didn't die for you on the cross. Jesus died for you on the cross. Right? Now, they're co-equal, but the function is different. So the head of Christ is God. Now notice the second statement. The head of the woman is the man. Now this is the doctrine that is so hated by the feminists of this day, and they've tried to explain it away. Some have flatly accused Paul of being a woman hater. But that doesn't change what the Bible teaches about the subject. God made us social beings... God established a plan that would promote social order and human happiness, and that plan could not be any clearer than what it is. In fact, if you look back there in chapter 11 again in verse number 8, he says, The man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man, and neither was the man created for the woman. Listen to me. If you think your husband exists just for you, you're wrong. Neither was the man created for the woman. He's not here for you, but notice, but the woman for the man. The creation of the woman was for the man, not vice versa. She was put here, as the Bible says, to be a helpmeet to the husband. She is His completer. You see, God created man incomplete. And woman is the completer. She is His helper. And the Bible clearly says the head of the woman is the man. Now, notice the third statement. It says, and the head of every man is Christ. Now, nobody would deny that, surely. Well, why is it that we would accept that statement and not be willing to accept the one just before that statement? The head of the woman is the man, and notice the head of every man is Christ. Now, there's two problems involved in the matter of a man being the head of the home. Number one is neglect. He refuses to accept his responsibility. The other one is abuse. In other words, The man uses his position to bully his wife and children, and insisting that they obey him. So those are the two problems in the man being the head of the home. Now, if we're going to live peaceably with one another, it's essential that we understand what our roles are. And that's true in everything. Let's suppose you're operating a business. Everybody can't be... The, 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 uh, uh, the, the business manager, for example. Everybody can't be the president of the company. There has to be somebody that's in charge. There has to be a line of authority. If you're playing the game, the same thing's true. Somebody's got to be the coach. Somebody's got to be the quarterback. Same thing's true in the government. The same thing is true in the church. The same thing is true when it comes to raising a family There must be rules to regulate action, and any time you have rules, then you have to have somebody that is in charge. And God has ordained certain people to be leaders. And you look through the Bible and you find it very clearly that God has set some in positions of leadership. Now, here's the point. When I rebel against the lesser authority, I am in rebellion against the higher authority. If I refuse to obey the authority that God puts over me, I am in rebellion against God Himself. When the children of Israel murmured against Moses, the Lord said that they've not rejected you, they have rejected me. And we need to keep that in mind because all of us have somebody that is over us. Now, let's talk about submission and authority. There's just two simple things I want us to remember this morning. First of all, very briefly, the need for authority, and then we'll talk about the nature of submission. The need for authority. God is a God of order. God has appointed certain people to positions of leadership. We know that's true in civil government, do we not? Is that not what the Bible teaches? The Lord says, Render unto Caesar those things that be Caesar's. And again and again, the Bible teaches us that we are to obey the civil authorities of the land. Now, we certainly do not have a perfect form of government, but somebody must be in charge. And God looks upon them as His servants. It's true not only in the civil sense, it's true from the ecclesiastical sense. And by ecclesiastical, we're talking about the church or the religious sense and we know what the bible teaches in regards to the pastor uh, having the oversight of the flock and being in a position of authority over the church and it talks about the church following the, the you know the example and the admonition of the pastor and that's all very clear that doesn't mean he's the smartest person in the church doesn't mean he's the most deserving person in the church it means somebody has got to be in charge and god appointed him as that authority And then there, of course, is marital authority. Marital authority has to do with the wife being in submission to the husband. There's parental authority. That's where the children are to be in subjection to the parents. Would anybody deny that other than some of the kids? (laughs) Every parent here would say, yes, indeed, the children ought to obey the parents. And those same parents that expect the children to obey them oftentimes do not fulfill their role as a husband or as a wife. Ladies, listen, you can't expect your children to be in submission to you if you're not in submission to your own husband, you see. I don't know of hardly anything that's more despised by the world in general than what we're talking about here this morning. It would be a whole lot easier for me to preach about heaven. In fact, I could preach about hell easier than I can preach about this. I'm telling you, because a lot of people despise this. A lot of preachers are running scared, and they've even taken that part out of the marriage vows that talks about the woman obeying the husband. Well, let me tell you right now, it's still in mine. And I still use it. That's exactly what I say. And if you don't want me to perform the ceremony, you go find some compromising, pussy-footing, back-scratching, ear-tickling, compromising preacher to do it. Because I'm not changing what I believe. Listen, I'm more concerned about offending God than I am about offending somebody. Now, I want to get along with everybody, but I am not going to compromise what God says just so I can make you or anybody else happy. This is not a popular subject. But somebody says, and this is usually the argument, somebody says, yeah, but don't you know that we're all created free and equal, you know? That's what they say. But let me tell you, if you think... If you think this movement today of the feminist and so forth is all about more money, you know, and the same money for, for doing the same job, if you think it's all about that, you're wrong. There's more to this than meets the eye. Let me tell you right now, and if I had time, I could just have quote after quote after quote that from the lips of the feminists, from the lips of the homosexual, uh, the homosexuals. Listen, listen to this statement here. This has to do with the North America Man Boy Lover Association. Namba. Did you realize even such a thing existed? If you hadn't had your head in the sand, you've heard about this dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking, sinful organization. They believe They believe that they ought to have the legal right at any age to engage in sex with anybody else. In other words, it's just a society of free love. Let me tell you, they're after your kids too, whether you realize it or not. So if you think that this is all about being free and being equal, equal rights, you're wrong. It's all about rebellion. Do you want to know where that leads? Go home and read Romans chapter 1, the last half of that chapter, where you find that man gets to the bottom of the barrel doing things that are against nature. Listen, folks, that's what it's all about. When we talk about the woman being in submission to the husband, we understand... We understand that that doesn't mean he's smarter or better than her. By the way, we're not all created equal anyway. We're not all equal whenever it comes to, let's say, to our size and to our strength and to our talent and our opportunities and our responsibilities. We're all different. We're not all equal. Now, from the legal standpoint, you might have the same opportunities as somebody else, and that's fine. But we're not talking about that. We're talking now about... Function. We're talking about God-given responsibility. We're not talking about superiority and inferiority. We're talking about different roles, God-given distinctions, difference in function. That's what it's all about. And so, instead of us screaming about we want our rights, we need to think about God's rights. It's God's rights that have been offended, folks. They come along and say, oh, well, we know that's what the Bible teaches, but Paul was just a woman hater. Try to explain it away some other way. I tell you what, I'm just going to stick with what the Bible says and let the chips fall where they may. Surely we see the need for submission, but now let's think about the nature of submission, I'm going to give you a bunch of Bs. You might want to jot these down to help you to remember. And I'll be brief as possible. First of all, the basis of submission is the Word of God. That's the basis of submission. And listen, folks, if 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 we're not going to follow the Bible, what in the world are we going to follow? You see, if the Bible is not Our standard, what standard do we have? If the Bible is not the absolute truth, how can we say that anybody is right or wrong? And then everybody's free to do whatever's right in their own eyes. Let's go out and rob banks, slit throats, do whatever we want to do. And we don't have any right to, you know, tell somebody we ought not to do that. That's what happens when you throw the Bible out. That's what happens when you go to the extreme. And let me tell you, man always takes it to the extreme eventually. So the basis of submission is the Word of God. The badge of submission is respect and obedience. The word submit means to rank under. In other words, it was a military term. It spoke about lining up or getting in order. To rank under. So when the Bible says to submit yourselves. It's talking about you getting in your proper order of authority. That is, that you line up behind the authority that God has placed over you. Now, if we were just talking about submission in general... We could sum it all up by saying it simply means an act of obedience. That you submit to me as an act of obedience. And that's all there is involved in it. But we're talking about this from the Christian perspective. So that means that not only do we have to consider the action, we have to also consider the attitude. So there is obedience and then there is respect. And clearly the Bible says here, the Bible is is implying in these verses here, that the woman is to be obedient to the husband, to submit herself to the husband. Now notice, in order to illustrate that, Paul used the example of the church. Just as the church is to submit itself to the Lord Jesus Christ, the woman is to submit herself to the husband. And then what is implied in this verse is absolutely clearly declared over in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, where it speaks about the fact that Sarah obeyed Abraham. Obeyed Abraham. Even calling him Lord. So obedience is... Involved, You'll remember that Jesus Christ Himself rendered unto Caesar that which was due by virtue of His position. you ever thought about that? Jesus obeying the civil authorities over Him? Do you? We should. Not because we necessarily like a law. Not necessarily because we might profit from it but because it's the authority that God has placed over us. So obedience is involved, but notice also respect. Look at verse number 33. Ephesians 5, 33. Concerning the wife, see that she reverence her husband. I wish I had time to read some quotes from some scholars in regards to this matter. Let me just sum it up like this. No one on earth can encourage a man better than his wife. Nobody. My greatest source of encouragement is my wife. And God made man with a desire to be reverenced. Are you listening? Listen, you've got to get this if you don't get anything else. God made us all different. Though I could use a lot of illustrations and Mars and Venus, and we could talk about the oven and the microwave and a lot of different things, and I'm not going to go there. We're really different. We think different. We even use different parts of our brains and, and, you know, and so forth. It's way beyond what I'm able to explain But it's obvious that we're different. And one of the things about a man is just as a woman might have the propensity, you know, for one particular thing more than the man, when it comes to the man, he has a craving and a hunger and a desire to be respected by his wife. And let me tell you, if he finds respect from his wife, he can endure almost any hardship outside the home. And if he don't get it, ladies, let me tell you, if he doesn't get that respect, there's a good chance he might start looking somewhere else where he does. Just as if she doesn't get love, she might be looking for it in other places. If he doesn't get respect, and please understand what I'm saying Whenever you're disrespectful to the authority that God has placed over you, God is going to hold you accountable for that. It's not just your actions. It's your attitude as well. And we have to take that into consideration. We're not to just obey God, we're to obey God willingly and joyfully. You you might be saying, yeah, but if you knew how dirty, rotten, rascal he was, you'd understand why I don't show respect for him. You need to stop worrying about whether he deserves it or not and think about your responsibility to show respect for him. He doesn't deserve it. By the way, you don't either. None of us deserve it. It's not about deserving. You say, well, I don't even love Him anymore. Well, learn to love Him. Love's a choice. Somebody says, well, I fell out of love with Him. I'm just going to get a divorce. We don't even love each other anymore. Listen, that's your problem. That's why the Bible tells the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands. We're responsible for that. Now, I know what some's thinking. That brings us to the next point, the next B, and that's the bounds of submission. Because here's what happens: somebody says, "Well, wait a minute. You tell me I'm supposed to obey my husband. What if he tells me to do something wrong? What if he tries to get me go out honky tonkin' and drinking, and you know?" Uh, Boozing it up, what am I supposed to do then? Well, I've got an answer for you. In fact, the Bible gives you the answer in Acts 5.29 where Peter says we ought to obey God rather than men. A wife is under no obligation to obey her husband if what he requires demands that she disobeys God. I talked to someone some years ago, I was preaching something like this, and after the church, one of our men, not one we've got now, he's moved on, but he was here then, and he told me, he said, that's not right. said, you know, the wife is to obey the husband and everything, even if it's wrong, she is to obey him in everything. I felt like, you know, I felt like, well, I won't tell you what I felt like doing, but... Let me tell you, we're never justified in disobeying God. Never. Never. So, God first, God always. Alright? So that's the bounds of your submission. Let me tell you, ladies... Don't you try to pull this nonsense of saying, well, I'm not going to do what he says because I, you know, I've, God's been speaking to me and I know that's not what God wants. You better have a chapter and verse if you're going to reject the authority that's over you. You better be able to justify your decision in not obeying him. And the grounds for that better be the Word of God. Now, What about the benefits? Well, the benefits could be summed up like this, just saying blessings. That can involve social order. It can involve personal peace. You'll remember that Paul spoke about the fact that as Christians, that as we submit ourselves properly to authority, it gives us a clear conscience. You see, as an unbeliever, you can do a lot of things and seemingly get by with it, and it won't bother you. But if you're a child of God, out of the will of God, you're not going to be happy. It's impossible. Because the Holy Spirit is going to make certain that you are convicted of your sin. That's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. One of the differences, being a Christian doesn't mean you'll never sin, but it does mean that when you do, you're not going to enjoy it like you used to. Because God's going to convict you. And then there's the blessings of God that He bestows upon us as a result of us being obedient. And then there are the heavenly rewards. You know, a lot of times we start thinking about what we we're supposed to do, and, and, you know, we don't want to do it to start with, and we, we just finally decide, you know, what's in this for me? How am I going to benefit from this? You know, people are just going to take advantage of me. He's going to run roughshod over me. I'm not going to get any love. I'm not going to get any respect. That's why it's important for every single one of us to keep our focus on the judgment seat of Christ when we shall stand before Him, not to determine whether we're going to get into heaven or not, but what our reward will be. And let me tell you what, we will never regret having obeyed God when we stand there before our Savior. Now here's the beauty of it. I got two more things I want to talk about. Three more. The beauty of it. The beauty of it is what? Christ likeness. You know, we sing that little chorus, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I you know, all I want is to just be like Jesus. Do you really? Whenever we submit ourselves to the authority God has placed over us, we become like Christ who submitted Himself to the will of the Father. You say, oh, but it's so difficult, preacher. If you understood how hard it is for me to put myself under His authority and to obey Him, I don't need to understand your situation. Do you have any idea how difficult Calvary was for Jesus? And yet He submitted Himself to the will of the Father on the cross. Never complaining about it, but did so with joy. That's the beauty of it. Nothing, listen, nothing in our life is Christ-like if we're living in rebellion against Him. You want to be like Jesus? Jesus? Line up. Get under the authority God has placed over you. Now, there's a bunch of barriers I don't have time to talk about. There's the barrier of pride. That's exactly why some women won't submit to their husband. It's because of pride. For others, it's fear. For others, it's anger. For others, it's a lack of love. For some, it's spiritual immaturity. Now, bottom line here is the beginning of submission. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is the beginning of submission. If there is a secret to relationships, good relationships, it's right here. The key to everything has to do with our willingness to submit ourselves to God. You see, the problem's not really with your spouse. The problem's with you. And when I'm willing to present myself as a living sacrifice to God, then I'll be willing to do whatever He commands me to do. That's why our society is in such a mess. We're not willing to submit ourselves to God. How important is this? Think about it. How important is this? Well, it's important to society, right? If we're going to have, you know, human happiness, if we're going to have social order, then there has to be submission to authority. It's important, right? Well, let me tell you, it's not only helpful there, and it's not only a blessing to us, but the most important thing of all of this has to do with our attitude toward God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Well, you say, well, preacher, you know, I did that one time. Well, I suppose we all say we did that one time, but let me tell you, we have to do that every single day. Every single day to submit ourselves afresh and anew to the Lord. I'm so glad I spoke to someone even this morning that was expressing a a concern about about their family. And I tell you, all of us ought to be concerned about our family. Fellas, listen, you need to step up and be the leader in that home. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. You've got an awesome responsibility. And ladies, you need to get behind Him. You need to be there at His side as His helpmeet. And you can't expect the kids to obey God if you're not willing to submit to the authority of your husband. That's serious stuff. Our kids are going to behave or misbehave Many times based on what they see in us and the inconsistencies they see in us. And here's the way they reason it out, and I guess they've got a good reason to do so. If mom and dad have a right to rebel against God, so do I. I mean, if mom and dad can drink, why can't I drink? Listen, let me tell you, I'm on the side of the kids on this you got a right to do it, they got a right to do it. And they see this hypocrisy in our lives, and what do they do? They rebel. Some of us remember back, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, where the, you know, the key phrase was rebellion against the establishment. It was actually rebellion against God. But listen, this hypocrisy brought a lot of that on we really care about our families, then we're going to have to line up according as God has appointed us. Dad, get out there in the front of the line and be the husband. God wants you to be. And ladies, you get right there behind Him. You might be smarter than He is. You might be better than He is. And a lot of other things. But that's not the issue. The issue is God put Him in a position over you when it comes to authority. And you rebel against Him, then you've rebelled against God. What do you do about that? You repent of it, just like you do any other sin. That's what we ought to do this morning. Whatever our sin is, just come bring it before the Lord in sorrow and repentance. Let's stand, Father. I realized this morning that maybe some of the ladies feel like they're being picked on, and I realize that some of them are going through great difficulties, and they've, they've had many hardships, and, and I understand that. But Lord, help them to, to believe with all of their heart that not only is your way right, but it's really best. And not only is it best, it's the safest route that anybody can take. And even though it's contrary to our natural desires, contrary to our flesh, help us, Heavenly Father, to be willing to submit ourselves to You as that living sacrifice to present our life and let You use it any way You choose. So we pray in Jesus' name. Now as we lift up our voice in song, listen, God may be speaking to you about something entirely different than this, but it always gets back to the same key issue, and that's the matter of submission. Will you submit himself, yourself to Him this morning while we sing? Whether it's for salvation or baptism or whatever it is, you come right now while we sing. Have own way, Lord. Have own way. Now think about what you're singing. Now think about what you're singing. as the musicians play, as they play softly, and as you think about what it is that God would have you to do. and Listen, you don't have to say anything to me. It might be instead of coming to me, maybe you ought to go to your husband and just say to your husband, I'm sorry, I've, I've let myself get out of line. And God's dealing with me about that and I'm going to get back in line This morning. Listen, fellas, it might be that instead of her coming to you, you need to go to her. You need to let her know I've been blaming you for your attitude and your rebellion against me when all along the problem's really with me. Whatever the case is, folks, listen, we need to deal with it. You can pretend like the message didn't happen. Pretend like the verses aren't there in the Bible and walk out of here as though there is no problem. But that's not going to solve anything. Thank you so much for your attention this morning and just pray for our services each and every week that we'll see God work in our lives. and change us and accomplish his will. Brother X. Gods be would you lead us in prayer as we close. Remember the reception for our guest in the Fellowship Hall.